I guess I just never thought he might be so personable, one who would come to our home and have dinner with our family, laugh at our jokes, <laughs> tell a few of his own. Sitting with him made everything else seem less important. So that night, right before Passover, we wanted to honor him for everything he'd done in our family. How exactly, how exactly do you thank someone for bringing your brother back to life? <laughs> well, our sister Martha was in the kitchen preparing this perfect meal for him. And then there was me. What could I do? I decided to give up one of my most precious possessions. Precious things given to Jesus never really seem wasted. And I knew as soon as I did it, it was obvious. Some people weren't pleased with my choice. It wasn't planned. It was spur of the moment. It just, it leapt from my heart. I let down my hair in public, which you just don't do and I wiped his feet with it. And then I poured out an expensive perfume jar of oil to honor him. And the beautiful scent filled the whole room. Sitting at his feet, none of their opinions really mattered. Jesus was pleased with me. And he stood up in my defense. I was there in the garden with Judas. Judas knew exactly where Jesus was going to be, and we were all there waiting for him. It was crazy that night. His disciples were with him, but I saw Jesus. I, I was very close to Jesus, and you could tell he was visibly upset. And uh, Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek, and I was standing so close that I heard Jesus call Judas friend. And that's the last thing I heard, because in a moments later, I heard nothing. I saw the flash of a blade come toward my face, and then I felt blood streaming down. And then it got quiet. And then I got dizzy. And then Jesus, he, he touched me. Like I said, I heard all the stories about Jesus, and I've heard all the stories about how Jesus healed people with his hands. There was this one time he, he healed a person with, with dirt and spit. And so many people, he just healed them with his hands, but it wasn't his hands for me. It was the way he looked at me. It was his eyes. That's what broke me. His eyes were filled with compassion and grief and joy. And, and, when he, and when he pulled his hand away, my ear, I mean, that night, everything I heard about that man had changed forever. He was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb. But we didn't, we didn't understand that. Um, when I got to 
Jerusalem, it wasn't what I expected. I mean, there was like 10 times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover. And it just seemed like the whole city was angry, like just, just mobs of angry people. And all of a sudden this, this, this guard, the soldier, he, he grabs me and I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd. And he says, for me to carry this guy's cross, If, if this guy's blood gets on me, it's, it stains me and I, I can't, I can't celebrate the Passover. That's the whole reason I was there. It was hard to see the man through the blood. And then our eyes met. And I knew This man was not a liar. He was not a, uh, a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why? Why? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. This is the foundation of what it truly means to understand the good news of God's love for you. What separates Jesus from every other person in this world is that he not only had the ability to be a life-changing person. I mean, you heard some stories and perhaps you've encountered stories of, of people who have made a difference in your life, people who are life givers. Life givers are different than life takers. Perhaps you've encountered people who take life from you, who take the good from you, who turn it against you, who use you, who break you down. Those are not life givers. And those moments are difficult for every one of us because in life, we chase after things. We chase after things that we hope will give us life. But then you meet a life giver. Someone who, as we've heard through these stories today, as we've seen through the baptism a moment ago, that actually gives life. 
that actually doesn't just do good things, doesn't just do miracles, actually gives life. And what makes Jesus different is he gives life because he had the authority over his own life. Every other religious teacher in this world has passed on and not come back. Every other philosophy, every other thinking, every other way to religion, it's all about someone who has passed on but not come back. It's all about someone who has perhaps done good, perhaps offered good thoughts on how we could be better people. But they couldn't back it up with life. They couldn't back it up with coming back from the grave. Now listen, I've never met a person who doesn't want there to be something after death. Every funeral that I've ever done, everybody in every funeral always wants that person in heaven. They always want me to say that. But there is a reality that there's a difference between life and death. And there's only one who had the authority to actually take up his life and overcome death. There's only one who has the authority to be a life giver to me, to you, to us. And that's why in the Bible... This moment in Luke chapter 24 where the women come to the tomb and their encounter is with angels who say, Why would you look for the living among the dead? What a great descriptor of life for us so many times because we look to be alive through so many things that are not life-giving. They are life-taking. We look to be alive through a pursuit in our lives of all things except the one who is a living Savior who can truly teach us how to live. And this morning, as we think about the resurrected Savior and what Easter means, here's what I want to share with you. The answers that give life, those answers, those substantive answers that give life, they cannot be found among the dead. Those answers only come from the living one who has conquered all darkness and death. The answers that we need that give us life, they cannot be found among the dead. They cannot be found among people that we perhaps will pursue or cling to that we think are our life givers. Those answers cannot give us life. They cannot be filled by the pursuits of the recreational things that we enjoy. Yes, they may fulfill us for a moment, but they do not give us true life. They cannot be fulfilled in the chase of another promotion, another job, another opportunity. Quite frankly, they can't be filled. Those answers cannot be found, even in those who are the closest to us. There is only one who gives life in the midst of a world that constantly peddles to us death. We will give our best selves, our best minds, the best of our heart, the best of our soul, the best of our strength to a world that pushes us toward death. But oh, to have a resurrection, a faith moment with a living Savior, now that turns everything that we have experienced and that we truly long for into life. That's where the answer is found and this statement is so powerful for you and I today. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you pursue the greatest source of life 
among things that will not satisfy. No, listen, there is one who was here in a tomb, but unlike everyone else, he is no longer dead. He is risen. He is not here. And that teaches me a great lesson about the answers that I long for to help me live, to help you live, to help us live the way that God intended for us to live. And it's only in finding the answers in the one who can give life that teach us how to truly live. One thing that stands out to me from this encounter that these ladies had with the angels at the tomb is that the answers that we need, they are found in those who have exchanged darkness for light. If you want to find the key to life, the key to truly living, look to those who have encountered the one that exchanged their darkness for light. The Bible tells us that the light, Jesus, came into the world, but people rejected him. Why? Because they loved darkness more than light. But to those whom came to him, he gave them the right to be called the sons and the daughters of God. To those who exchanged their darkness for his light, they became the sons and daughters of God. And they exchanged darkness for light. They allowed the light to replace the darkness in their souls. One such person was one of the stories that you heard just a moment ago, and she was present in this moment that we read at the resurrection of Jesus. Her name is Mary Magdalene. Now, tradition has a lot of connection through Scripture to who this woman was, and many will connect her to the woman who was caught in adultery that is recorded in the early chapters of John. And when you think about this woman's life, there were those who were there to crucify her to tear her down, to expose her, to bring about the wages of sin in her life. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. They were speaking death into her. They practically wanted to bring death to her because of who she was identified by in their eyes. But Jesus showed her how to exchange her darkness for light. Jesus said, who is there that condemns you? And she said, no one. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Therefore, go now and sin no more. The thing about a risen Savior is not just that we would be forgiven. Not just that we would be forgiven to go on pursuing darkness. To go on pursuing the things of the world that bring about the death to our souls, to our hearts, to our minds, and to our bodies. No, the thing about meeting Jesus is that those who know the real answer to the key of life, it's those who have understood what it means to exchange darkness and to receive light. The Bible calls Jesus the light of life. And he gives to us the light of life. That's the kind of answer that is substantive in this world. And that's the kind of answer that helps us understand we cannot find the living among the dead. The second thing that stands out to me is that the answers that we need, that we search for in this world, they are found in those who have faced death, and yet in the moments of facing death, they have found life. 
You see another person that was present in this moment that we read in Luke chapter 24. And when you connect the gospels of those who encountered the risen Lord and who encountered him first, not only was it Mary Magdalene, but it was Mary, the mother of Joseph and of John, those who were related to Jesus. That's right. Even his mother. Can you imagine Jesus' mother? For those of you who have born a child, who have raised a family, can you imagine the atrocities that you would experience in your heart and in your soul as your son was betrayed and crucified at the hands of death dealers? Can you imagine how that would tear at you? And then can you imagine the replacing in your soul of all things heavy, all things dark, all things death by seeing your living son again. Again, knowing that he was dead, that he was pronounced dead, that he was gone, and all of the hopes and dreams that you had for him had died with him. But three days later, on the first day of the week, on that Sabbath Sunday moment in that time, to realize Jesus is alive. And to stare him in the face, to embrace him for who he was and to know that he is the Savior who conquers all of death. You see, the answers in life, and some of you, you are a part of this answer to someone else. You are a life giver, but why? Because you stared death in the face and you overcame it because... You embraced a Savior who embraced you, who is risen and not dead. He is a living Savior, and He exchanged your darkness for light, and He called you out of death into life. Now, that's an answer that is life-changing. That's the power of a resurrected Savior. That's why it's important to embrace that phrase, He's not here. Why do you look for the living one among the dead? That's not who Jesus is. Why do you look for answers that will not give life? That's not who Jesus is. He is one who exchanges darkness in those who follow him by faith for light. He is the one who gives life to those who feel death in their souls. He is the one who brings about a change, a resurrection in them. The third thing that stands out to me from this passage is that the answers that we need that give life, that are not found among the dead and truly aren't really found in this world, those answers, they are found in those who meet the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. The answers to life, and you will see this in those perhaps around you, perhaps you will strive to be this. Life-changing answers are found in those who have met the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Not those who are religious or ritualistic by nature, who worship a man on a cross. But those who recognize Jesus is not on the cross. Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is not a relic to pay courtesy to. But Jesus is alive, and how do we know? He lives within them, and he lives out of them. And he is the one that has brought forth a new life inside of them. And though they may battle and though they may be frail and though those people may struggle in this world, as all of the disciples did, who, by the way, met the risen Lord, who just like you may struggle but yet meet the risen Lord. When you follow and you meet the risen Lord, you are the kind of individual who gives the answer to life to someone else. 
and helps them learn how to truly live in this world. In this passage, we only get a glimpse of a few people who met the Lord. And the first ones were the ladies, but they did what they were supposed to do. They became life givers. They began to share the message of the risen Lord. They go and they tell Peter he would run and be the first there to the tomb. But then John would run in and he would see the linens and he would ask what has happened and wonder would fill them. And then Jesus would show up for them in a room with all of the disciples, minus Thomas, who was doubting. So perhaps today you're a skeptic and you're doubting good. You would be counted as one of the disciples who even in the midst of his doubt, just a few days later, Jesus showed up. The risen Lord showed up and met the doubter and made him not an unbeliever, but a believer. Because that's what the life giver does. He would go on and not only meet them, but the Bible tells us that there were over 500 people at one time who met him. That he would continue to show up until his moment of which he would go to a place called heaven and sit at the right hand of God as the one who rules over all things. And the Bible says in that place, he prays for us. He prays for you. He intercedes on your behalf, which is better than any other human being or any other saint that you might want to pray for you. Jesus prays for you. And what does Jesus pray for you? He prays that you would receive life. He prays that you would receive by faith his gift of life. He is the life giver and he is the answer that is contradictory to all the death dealing that this world will do to our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our strength. Jesus is the author of life. Perhaps you have encountered him. Many encountered him, and he changed their life. They thought he was just a good man, a prophet, a teacher, a preacher, a miracle worker. But for those who embraced him by faith and who met the risen Savior... He changed their life. Perhaps even today, he's working to change your life. Maybe your story is like Salome, one of those who early on saw and met and realized who Jesus was. Perhaps your story is like this. I don't really know how. Uh, what would be the word for uh, terrified and excited? Do you, do you know? Huh. Well, all I know is we were both of those things that morning. And that I ran faster than Sandals ought to be able to carry you. We had to tell everybody else what happened. <sighs> After Jesus was crucified, it was all over. I mean, were we wrong about him? We had to have been. Jesus was dead, so we hid, hid in fear. That morning, a, a small group of us women went to um, prepare his body with spices and ointments. I mean, it was the very least that we could do, you know? Even though none of this made any sense. For three days, 
was the longest three days of my life. We were so afraid. Oh, but Sunday. My head was racing faster than my feet. We bolted from that tomb. None of the other disciples were going to believe when we tried to explain. I mean, a massive sealed tombstone moved. Those Roman soldiers silenced. <sighs> Blinding angels, unnecessary grave clothes, now lay folded neatly inside an empty tomb as if they had some sort of secret to tell. <laughs> well... A picture's worth a thousand words in the empty tomb. It's worth a thousand promises. Do you see what this means? We were waiting for the Messiah to come and restore Israel. Jesus exceeded all our expectations. I mean, he was the Messiah that nobody could contain. So we were hoping too small. This means... This means that everything that has been taken, God can restore. He lives so that we can too. <sighs> Our greatest roadblock has been removed because not even the doors of death can shut out the certainty of life through Jesus. Our strongest enemy has now been defeated. So you tell me, what rival can come up against him? Hmm? Kings, presidents, powers that be. Whatever is happening right now and whatever is to come. I mean, the, the lowest lows and the highest highs. None of these things can make that grave any less empty. Nothing. No temple veil, no checkered past, no hellish lie. It can't stop the mortal from putting on immortality. He softened the sting of death and swallowed up our defeat in victory. Child, I don't have all the answers. But I tell you, standing near those discarded grave clothes, those secret-keeping pieces of cloth, well, the secret's out now. <laughs> He's not dead. He's not missing. He hasn't been taken away. No, he is alive. He walked out of that tomb and left death and 
<laughs> discarded grave clothes behind. He is alive. If there is a way to be made, it's through him. If there is hope in this world, his name is Jesus the Christ. Oh, he lives. He lives, the Messiah, our Messiah, my, my Messiah. He's alive. And the secret's out. <laughs> it's out. Oh, glory. So today you stand either with those who follow the risen Lord, who know the risen Lord, who have met the risen Lord, whose lives have been transformed and are being changed by the risen Lord. Or you stand on the outside. It doesn't mean you're not religious. It doesn't mean you're not a good person. It doesn't mean you're not trying to help the world be a better place. It just means you have yet to encounter the life giver. There's only one life giver. His name is Jesus. There's only one who truly can change who we are from the inside out. There's only one who can take our flesh and use it and transform it and turn it into something beautiful. There's only one who can intersect with the story of our lives and write the ending in a much better way than we can write it ourselves. There's only one who can cleanse us, oh, to be cleansed, forgiven, made perfect, holy, acceptable in the sight of God. His name is Jesus. Why look for the living among the dead? Why try to find the answers to life among those who will never give it? His name is Jesus. And today, perhaps, it's time for your encounter. It's time for all of us to have an encounter, not only with Jesus, but with the risen Jesus. Christian, today I'm talking to you. Christian, I'm talking to you. Your faith of the past is one thing. But the resurrected Jesus in you right now, what does that look like? It's time to move forward in your faith and in your life with him. Those on the fence, those struggling, even in this moment, to move from your tradition. Yeah, I understand that. Your past, I understand that. Your brokenness, yes, I understand that. To move and let go of all of those things that bind you. And instead, by faith, to embrace the one who will set you free. I know that for many, it's a hard choice to make. But when you find the living one, Jesus, 
you will learn how to truly live. And you will join countless people, generations upon generations, who have met the risen Lord, both then and even today, in their lives and the lives of those who love him. The only answer to life is a living relationship with the Son of God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. The only answer to life, not death, to live, not die. The only answer to truly live is a living relationship. A living relationship with the Son of God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you have that today? A living relationship with the Son of God the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you have that today? I'd like to take a moment to allow you to answer that question in the honesty of your soul, of your heart, with your mind, and to express that with your strength. Would you bow just for a moment, your head, your heart, your being before God, and answer this question. Do you have a living relationship with the living Savior, Jesus Christ. And if not, ask Him now. Jesus, I see who you are. You are a life giver. I know who you are. You are the Son of the living God. You came to show me the way, how to live, how to overcome the defeat against me, the brokenness, the sinfulness, the death of this world. And you came to set me free and give me life. So today, Jesus, with all of my heart, with what's in my head and my mind, with everything that's in the being of my soul and with my mouth, Jesus, I ask you, save me. And come and give me your life today. If that is the prayer that you're praying right now, with all of your heart, no titles matter except the title of Jesus over your life. If that is the prayer that you're praying today, would you lift your hand to the Lord, both in this room? Would you acknowledge with your body as you are online? Today, I am asking the life giver to give me life. I want the life of Jesus inside of me. Thank you. Yes, 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 by saying yes to Jesus. And today, if you have done that by faith, the risen Savior, he lives in you. God, I thank you for all of your sons and daughters today as we remember and as we celebrate the resurrected Son of God, Jesus, our Savior. And with gratitude and celebration, we pray. And all God's children said together, amen and amen. Let's thank the Lord Jesus for giving us life. And in celebration, we want to continue to worship our risen Savior 
by lifting a song of praise. So I want to invite you in the room and online. Let's stand to our feet in honor of Almighty God. And let's sing this out. decision to place your heart in the hands of Jesus to receive his life if that's the first time moment for you do us a favor 
fill out that communication card for us online. Drop us a note. Let us know that because it's important to take the next steps. All of the stories that you've heard, that you've seen today are about people who took the next step with Jesus and it changed their life. Life does that. Life will change us and make us who we're intended to be. So make sure that you do that. For those of you that are a faithful part of this family of faith, thank you for your giving, not only here in the room, but also our online family. It's because of you that throughout a shutdown, challenge, brokenness, upheaval, and all the things in a death-dealing world, we continue to proclaim life. So thank you for being faithful as a partner in your giving to the work of Jesus in this world. Moms, dads, we have a gift for you. For those of you joining us online, yeah, Pastor Stephen, we've got jumpstart for you on this Easter Sunday for your family, for your children. And for those of you here, make sure you gather your children quickly after this service has concluded. Because yeah, we want to have a little fun with an Easter egg hunt with your kids. But all of this today has been done because I'm surrounded and a part of a family, a family of faith, of people who are filled with life. So go this week and in the name of Jesus because of a resurrected Savior and be a life giver. God bless you all and happy Easter to you.